It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Hello and welcome to another week of They Came to Play, the podcast where Danny McGinley and I trawl through the weekend's action, but there was none. So what are we going to talk about, <laughs> Danny McGinley? I think we could just talk about the fact that there is a game this weekend. Uh, if you may have yes. heard of it, it is, it's it's almost it's it's the final game of the year. It's it's quite grand uh, actually, oh. and what do they call uh, it's, it? uh, the Super Bowl. It's very odd. It's uh, what do they call the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl because the trophy's not called that. They're not. No, there's no other bowls. Do you, uh, do you know that? Yeah, look, I don't know the background of uh, the actual name, the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking it up right there- now. This is this is what happens when we don't have a guest straight away. By the way, this is yeah. an insight into the Patreon episodes, people. If you, this is what you get when uh, you sign up for as little as five bucks a month. You can help yeah. Limo and I, uh, you know, feed our families and everything, and you get a bonus episode, which is lo- mostly us just asking questions and googling and rambling. Rambling, <laughs> and it's again, it's good fun. It's uh, you know, we engage quite a lot with the Patreon uh, subscribers, so please get involved, uh, become a Patreon. Uh, we would really appreciate your support. Yes, and, you also uh, get next- out movie ideas. Uh, we remember last week we pitched a movie idea. Yes. Yes. And our, our Patreons got back to us. Apparently this movie has been made, but I, I looked up. So the movie idea we had, uh, players, our dear listeners and friends, Lima and I want to write a horror movie about drop yep. bears, which, uh, you yes. know, the, the mythical creatures that attack. So this is the plot. We get a couple of, you know, we get a few ridiculously attractive uh, backpackers, be German, Swedish, whatever you want, and uh, they go into, yeah, they go backpacking into a forest and they just get killed yeah. by drop bears. It's, it's just a simple creature feature. Lima and I are, are going to be playing uh, two old bar flies in a pub at the start of the movie. Yeah. Uh, we just say, yeah. oh, geez, oh, I wouldn't go in there. And, uh, and then we get a Bulldogs footballer plays a creepy guy in a ute who drives past and offers him a lift at one point. Yeah, yeah. When it, with, with, I, I pitched Danny Southern. You said Bailey Smith, but I, I said he's too good looking to be the creepy guy. Nah, he's got the mullet though. <laughs> we'll have to we'll have to get makeup and stuff. Anyway, apparently there is a movie about drop bears, but uh, we'd rather make it. We want to make it again, and uh, so I'm sure Spielberg, you listen to this show. Come on, come on, make it with us. Uh, yeah, you know, well, look, with the success you had with Jaws, uh, I'm sure yeah. you can recreate that with drop bears. Yeah. Um. Now, our very special guest today is Hamish McLaughlin from uh, Channel 7, uh, busiest man in football, uh, incredibly yes. good broadcaster, and, M- and MC for that matter. Uh, so he will be uh, joining us soon-ish, uh, but we'll just be uh, rabbiting on in the meantime. Limo's um, got a whole now- lot of gigs he's got to do, people. He's a very busy man. He's got to... 
got to go. He's, he's playing the, 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 the Friars Club in New York via Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and then I've got a gig up in the Catskills. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Joe Biden's getting him into uh, just, uh, just for a chat, just about the, the old days. <laughs> oh, my God. Joe Biden is, I swear, he constantly looks like he has no idea where he is or what he's saying. <laughs> and I don't like to be yeah. ageist, but I think if you're President of the United States, um, you're going to have to put up with these jokes. But he, he does not look 100%. And, it, you know, I mean, Exhibit A, calling Scott Morrison that fella from down under. I mean... Yeah. Well, I mean, we all were a little bit jealous. I wish I could forget Scott Morrison. Yeah, yeah, true. true. <laughs> hey, Super Bowl, I got it, by the way. There oh, yeah, was... Okay, so the original bowl game was the Rose Bowl game in Pasadena, California, which was first played in 1902 as the tournament East-West football game. So then right. it got moved to the Rose Bowl Stadium, and then there was a tournament of roses that was shaped like a bowl, and then there was a whole bunch of games that were called the bowls, and then they so they just named their grand final the Super Bowl. Okay, so one overarching bowl that's bigger yeah. than all the other bowls. They're just mad yeah, for okay. a bowl over there, apparently. Yeah, they really are. And uh, <laughs> who can blame them? Who can blame them? <laughs> Bloody great bowls. They, they, they don't get enough credit. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine life without bowls? Oh, I don't want to, mate. <laughs> Just a day alone, how would have I how I've eaten my cereal? Oh, like, wet things in your hands like a couple of <laughs> Neanderthals. Well, I had muesli. Do I put it in a plastic bag and pour milk into the plastic bag? It's just outrageous. A salad. What do you do with a salad? Oh, mate. I mean, just, and also that that scene in Ghost would have just made no sense. Just why is she spinning a wheel for no reason? <laughs> what is she making an ashtray? I haven't seen her have a cigarette in the whole film. <laughs> it's crazy. And would you classify a wok as a bowl? No. <laughs> oh no. So a wok is. I mean, a wok has bowl-like qualities, though. Let's be honest. <laughs> We're losing patriots as we speak. <laughs> Hey, do you know with ghosts? Do you know that one of the one of the most weirdest thoughts I ever had as a kid? My yeah. my mum's parents uh, lived in Brisbane, and they came down to Melbourne one summer uh, to yeah. uh, to kind of help babysitters and and stuff. And one night, my grandma and granddad went to the movies, and they saw the film Ghost. And I right. genuinely thought, as a seven year old that they went and saw a documentary about how to be a ghost because they were old and they were going to die soon and they had to learn how to be a ghost. <laughs> oh, right. It's like a, a government-funded crossing over initiative. Where yeah. <laughs> we help you understand <laughs> how to move on in the afterlife. <laughs> See, Joe Biden would be watching that. Uh, yeah, he most certainly would be. Now, Who would you okay? Say you were say you were gonna say you die, Limo, and you get it's, it's like the good place. You wake up in a yeah. room and it just says, you know, welcome, everything's fine. Which dead celebrity would you most love to give you your induction? Uh yeah, right, okay. That's it's a question without notice. I, I know that. Yeah. Uh, 
Look, for some reason, immediately in my head, I'm going to like Frank Sinatra, Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, Jerry Lewis. That's my kind of, that's where my head's at now for some reason. Yeah, all right, just celebrities going there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking thinking maybe... Maybe a world leader or something. Maybe like maybe Gandhi. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh yeah, sure. Ga- yeah, Gandhi. Well, you know, Jesus. I mean, if you're going to get anyone to give you an induction into the afterlife, no, you don't want Jesus doing the. Don't, you want to build up to Jesus. You surely he's got a corner office somewhere. He would have a corner office. The thing about Jesus, you'd be if Jesus was the first thing you saw after death. You'd yeah. Like, oh my God, it's true. Well, I'll be stuck. Ah, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I've that, been that out for all these years. That's a good idea because, yeah, you do, so much of death would be denial at first, going, nah, come on, what are you on about? Nah, this isn't real. Yeah. You see Jesus, you go, okay, yeah, fair enough. This might, yeah, okay, right, okay, cool. Seems, right. yeah, seems that we're here. And do you know what I most um, hope happens when you die, Lemo? <laughs> this is my number one. Whoever's in charge of this, let me know. Yeah. Yes. I, yes, Danny. I really hope there is an afterlife bureau of statistics, and they run you through some of your some of your numbers from your life. Oh, I'd love that, my key stats. Yeah. This is how many what, beers what? you drank. This is how many movies you watched. This is uh, uh, this is how many times you threw up. This is. I'd love to know my net position on rounds purchased and rounds received. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and compare them with your mates. <laughs> compare with your mates. <laughs> or even like this was your best joke. This joke made the audience laugh the most. When you did it at this gig, they laughed the hardest. This was oh, the best yeah, this... piece of toast you ever made. Like I'm yes, talking yeah. everything. This is the most booze you ever drank in one session. Yes. This is the most money you ever Lost or found, or yeah, right. They could. It could also be quite bad. They they could have said like, you know, this is the dumbest decision you ever made. Like, if you yes. uh, waited an extra day, you actually would have become, uh, the, you know, David Letterman. You would replace Letterman. Oh, right. Yeah. Here are your sliding doors moments as well. Yeah. See, that'd be fun to know. Uh, and also, not only the most people have laughed in your audience, the most people have laughed behind your back. Oh, no, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> what was that dumbass thing you did or said where everyone was going, yeah. oh, my God. Uh, yeah, oh, that's all, all good gear. I'd, I'd love it. I'd love a stats person to be there waiting for me. Yeah, this is what we need. Oh, that I've just be... got it. Do you know who yeah. I want as the dead celebrity who just, I'm, I die and then mm. wake up in a, you know, you wake up in a room. I want Bruce McAvaney. <laughs> Bruce McAvaney. He'd be very comforting. Yeah, he'd feel and, safe. And really, he'd talk his. Th- he'd like he'd he'd talk up your stats in a really positive way. Like Limo, you had such a great run with comedy. Gee, I really loved the way you went about it. You get the feeling that around uh, 2021, when you were doing that podcast, really got the feeling that you were hitting your strides. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, Bruce would be good. Bruce would give you a good pump up. Yeah. Uh, or the alternative to that would be like a Don Rickles who just roasts you <laughs> on yeah. your terrible life. <laughs> oh, okay. Here's another question for you. 
you're yeah. you're in heaven. They're watching you. You they're going to show a highlights package of your life. You know, just uh, you know right. your best jokes or you know all the rounds you purchased. You know, just running it through. Oh, who right. who would you want commentating? Would you want like BT to go like totally over the over the top of like you know say you know the day you met your wife and her falling in love with you and she just go you don't realize this is the moment she fell in love with you she locked eyes with you and the big fella goes bang <laughs> what's a what's the thing bt does down in the rooms after a game oh roaming brian roaming brian so i wouldn't mind like a roaming seeing a roaming brian talking to all the people from your life like at your funeral I uh, no, you'd want to be more honest. People are very nice at a funeral. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, hey, let's get on to footy before uh, Hamish joins us. <laughs> People may be listening to this wondering if they've signed onto the wrong podcast. <laughs> uh, now, just looping back, if I can use a very twenty twenty one office expression, uh, looping back to what you were saying before about the grand final. It is indeed called the Grand Final. It's called the Super Bowl in the States. But I did hear Justin Leppich refer to it as what Danny McGinley uh, last uh, is week. This, are we doing this? Are we doing your your least favourite term? Every year we re- we trot yeah. this out. Lemo, you hate the phrase the big dance. I do. I do. And Justin Leppich, who's won three of them himself, if you don't mind, yeah, uh, and has been at Richmond while they've won some, Um he bloody he called it the big dance. Lapper, what are you doing, mate? Yeah. I don't but even just from a practical point of view, does it make it sound bigger or better or more glamorous when it's called the big dance? So it's mm. the grand, how can what can you add how can you replace grand final to make it sound better? Yeah, you. Well, the the reason he's done it is because you know you don't want to just repeat yourself. You know, as broadcasters, we know this. You try and use different words and stuff. So, problem is, apart from big dance and grand finals, are there any other terms for it? I think just go with the grand decider, final. the decider, um, the the decider, uh, the finale, the finale. It's the grand final. Just call it the grand final. That's what it is. Call it the grand final. Well, if there is any other, can you not think of any other term for it? The big dance. <laughs> yeah, one that one that you like. Is it? <laughs> no, 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 just I don't want any other terms for it. I just want it to be grand final. That's it. Okay. End of story. All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so now Hamish should be joining us shortly. He's just sent a text to the text you sent this morning, and it says, <laughs> "Who dis?" Question mark. <laughs> Followed by joking bitches. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to get a very different Hamish McLaughlin to what people are used to. I'm excited about this. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> now, uh, the grand final, quickly before Hamish joins us, how are you feeling, Danny? It's, we're six days or five days out. Yeah, it's. Um, I, I, was, I sort of gave la- myself last week off to just enjoy it and uh, try and soak it all in. And I uh, very much missed uh, being out and about and talking to other Bulldogs fans. Yeah, it's the, it's the week where, where Melbourne talks, strangers talk to each other all the time. You know, yes. I, wore, I wore my Bulldogs hat everywhere I went and I made my kids wear their Bulldogs jumpers everywhere they went and I only got a few little uh, go Bulldogs from people every now and then. Where it was normally yeah, you'd yeah. stop and you'd chat about the teams and everything. 
But uh, this week I'm now, I've, I've, I've got to deal with all my Melbourne supporting mates. Like we're going to cease uh, discussions Wednesday night. Why are you ceasing discussions Wednesday night? So they, because we don't, I, I, if any, if the Bulldogs lose and I get a smarmy text from a D's fan, I will unfriend them. Like that is and, a horrible uh, thing to and do. That's, that's f- fair enough. I totally get that. But why can't you talk to these people Thursday or Friday? Because then it's you, it, everyone's too nervous. Jokes can be uh, misinterpreted. Uh, I just wanted to only want to talk to Bulldogs fans at that point, or people who want the Bulldogs to win. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I've been. You know. I get it. I just. It's just such a. You know. Grand final week is such a great week in Melbourne. Yeah. Like it's so much fun. And yeah. now it's we're all in lockdown, and we can't even. It's just sad little grand final party. So you'll just be at home. With the yep. lass and the kids, yeah, yeah. Um, we've already said the 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 boy can stay up for the whole match. He's you know seven years old. Teams in the grand okay. final. Yeah, uh, nice. but yeah, it's nice. just and even people are saying like you know I, I was a, a few people asking oh what food are you going to have for the grand final? I'm like I don't know. I'll be too nervous to eat. A bowl yeah, of twisties. Right. What would some classic bulldogs food be? I mean, you'd be a pile of sauce, surely. Surely, uh, well, we're very multicultural. I'm, I'm thinking I'd get some Vietnamese in. Oh, maybe, maybe an East African Melbourne. banquet. And what about Melbourne, Danny? What would they have? <laughs> well, the, mate, I went to I went to Coles yesterday. The, you can't get foie gras. Don't even ask. <laughs> it is sold out. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're, they're having to choke their own ducks this week to get their the, uh, I do feel sorry for the for the Melbourne fans who probably want to watch it with their kids, but their kids' bedrooms are outside their five k radius. Uh, <laughs> very funny. It's good. It's good Thank stuff. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'll put I, it on TikTok I, I, later. You need to get that onto the socials, mate. That's uh, I will. That's good gear. Okay. <laughs> good gear. Hey, uh, did, oh, you know what I enjoyed on the weekend is uh, Charlie Spargo allegedly injured his ankle oh, Saturday yeah. night. In a, or Saturday in a trial match with the D's. It has been the most covered non-injury, I think, in the history of the Because <laughs> there was no well, footy on. And it was the only talking point. It was the only bit of news well, that came out what about, over the weekend. Simon Goodwin had gastro, had the cat's gastro. Oh, that was a gift as well, gastro. Yep. And I think Adam Uze had gastro too. Yeah. And then as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh, I don't want the week off. Let's play him now. Play him now. <laughs> <laughs> But it, clearly he's fine because uh, Goodwin was at the at the Dees Brownlow function last night. He was, and now they've all got gastro. Oh, great. Brilliant. <laughs> great. Great. Uh, now, nice... is, uh, I could have sworn Hamish was coming in there a second ago. Oh, all right. Do you want to send him a text, Danny, and just say? Uh, well, he's, he's it's only 12.29. It's not due in yet. <laughs> Um, he will appear. He yeah, will, will appear. We'll... Yeah, Spargo getting loads of coverage in the papers. I mean, there's entire articles about a bloke who didn't even really have an injury. So <laughs> it is hard to cover. Hey, so but Lemo, as oh. soon as Ollie Wines won, I knew yeah. that you would come to the table here. You would scour all of the dailies to find yeah. what pun headlines we've got. Yeah, there are some there are some belters. Uh, so let's we'll perhaps start with the age. Actually, no, you know what? We'll do them together because 
Front page of the age says fine wines. Nice. Yeah, you know. good. Okay. That's all you need. Uh, front page of the Herald Sun says finest wines. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Oh, wow. They're, they're up the ante. They've just slightly, they've gone fine ones, finest ones. Uh, so then we head inside on the Herald Sun and we get to the little Brownlow special on pages six and seven, vintage wines. Oh, all right. Vintage oh, wines okay. in a thriller. Uh, so, okay, okay. That's, uh, that's pretty yeah. good. So then we head to the back of the Herald Sun where it says on the back page, it says corker. Oh, yeah, there we go. Good, good. Well done. Uh, We go to the back of the age and it says Ollie wins. Not wines, wins. I'll give him that. Yep, yep. Nice work. Yep. And uh, and that's pretty much it for the age. Has anyone gone with, uh, so like, you know how they'll put all of the matches where he polled and have put called it the wine list. Oh, Danny, uh, why aren't you working for this newspaper? I don't know. Oh, God. And now it is time to welcome into the podcast our superstar, uh, Tess Armstrong, replacement for this week. He's the busiest man in football, but we've managed to nail him down. Hamish McLaughlin. Hello. Yes. Hang on. So who have I replaced? Yeah, don't start. Don't start with that, Hamish. Don't pretend you don't know who Tess Armstrong is, the <laughs> third player on this podcast. Tess, Danny, and myself have been doing this podcast for a few years. Tess had a baby earlier this year, so she's taken the year off. So every week, our guest is introduced as the a place is Tess. Tess Armstrong. Yeah, okay, I thought I was a guest, not a quasi-co-host. Okay, I'm happy replacing Tess given maternity leave. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you, you, it may have been a storm out if it wasn't yeah. <laughs> maternity leave. I have stormed off a lot of podcasts historically, but I'm going to stay put for a bit here. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. Hey, we've never had a storm out on this podcast, so well, feel, feel free. Mind your P's and Q's. Yeah, yeah. Let, yeah. Let's end with a, with a storm out. That'll, that'll get some headlines. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're, Danny, we're, how are you coping ahead of the dogs and the D's and the grand fly? I can't believe that you've been able to contain yourself to what looks to be a bedroom. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it, I, it's, it just doesn't feel real still. Uh, like even just the fact that, I, you know, I'm just watching this. AFL is just a TV show now. I'm not going to the games. I'm not going to the pubs. It just feels like uh, I'm almost watching a documentary, I guess. But uh, it's I'm feeling... Much more comfortable than I did five years ago. Uh, this, I'm, the Demons fans are absolutely packing their dacks, whereas for us, I'm feeling I'm I'm kind of confident. I've rewatched the prelim a couple of times, and man, we were good. Uh, but I've specifically mm. not watched the D's and Cats uh, prelim <laughs> because I don't want to know that they're good. Yeah, uh, Hamish, are you getting a sense that just a little bit of there's just a bit of arrogance sneaking into both supporter groups? I feel I, like neither yeah, of them. So they cancel each other out, though. That's the beauty of it. It's, yeah. it's not as if one's going to benefit from the other because it's a nil old draw, so it's all sort of square again. It's great. I love yeah. the fact that you're going past Melbourne supporters' houses who have repainted their house every sort of, you know, whatever in the same colour, but now they're actually repainting their house in red and blue. The dog supporters did it in 16. It's something we haven't seen. Well, in my lifetime, I've never seen. I love everything about this Melbourne journey. I love the dogs in 16. 
I love the Tigers in 17. I, I just, I've been on the Simon Goodwin train for a while and, you know, I, I, either way, it's a great outcome on Saturday. But in my heart, I'm sort of, and, and I love Bev, I, I love Bont, but because they did it in 16, I said I'm leaning red and blue without the light. Right. I'm going to storm out. That, this oh, is now it's I'll a, see Fuck it, this. I can't believe I said that, actually, when you hear Danny. I should have said it just with Lee Mona. It's a McGinley storm out. I was down at the G on Saturday morning, Hamish, with my wife and my son. We often go down just to, you know, ride the bikes and kick the footy see around. if it's open. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we've got our own keys, so we let ourselves in. <laughs> uh, no, just around the outside there. And it was, you know, it was just a little bit sad. Just in a preliminary final, which would have normally been preliminary final Saturday, and it was dead as a doornail. Yep. The only sign that football exists at the G is someone has put a Melbourne scarf around mm. the Rombarassi statue. Yeah. And and that's it. Yeah, I, last year last year I had to do a lot of those NAB AFL Oz Kicker Zooms, and we did it sort of from the G or in the stands oh, yeah. of the G. And I always think that MCG is feminine. So I think she has been lonely for a couple of years and she needs to be filled with colour and smells and, you know, be able to walk past the donut guy and grab a coffee. And it, it's wrong to be so underutilised. But yeah. uh, hopefully one day again soon. Um, it's sort least- of sad also, isn't it, that first time in, well, let's, let's assume they're in the ground. First time in, um, since 2000, they're in the granny. Yeah. First time they might win it since 64. You know, the last time the Ds were in, Neil was coaching. Last time they won it, Barras was captain. It's like not to be at the MCG. Jeepers. It's, yeah, uh, so I, I think it's only fair that the Demons lose the game so they get the uh, romantic one in a couple of years. Next year. <laughs> Back at okay. the day. You imagine- Man, the dogs in the West make sense. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, there'd be so many Melbourne fans who for all these years have been going, you know, I'm going to peep, keep paying this premium membership. So oh, when yeah. we make the grand final, I'm not missing out on a bloody ticket. And uh, they're all missing out on a ticket now. And they can't even have a party home. They've got to stay at home with their, their, their loved we're ones. Not, not, are, we, are we talking about the roadmap or are we just going to drive straight on and pretend that we're not they, in our 7,000th day of lockdown without any way forward? I, and Danny's going to stay in that room regardless of what the Bulldogs do next weekend. If you mm. And you've now got to a point where you're draping heavy burgundy curtains behind you to make you feel as though you're out and about. Oh, mate. <laughs> well, if you want to drive your car into a ditch, we'll start talking about the roadmap. <laughs> no, don't do it. Let's talk about football, the Olympics, Brownlows. When are we going to get the comedians back on the road? That's what I miss. No, Damn no, straight. We'd love to get back on the road. Hey, Hamish, uh, I bloody love the Olympics. I thought I even, I, I thought it was so, this is something I rarely do, but I just felt, I sent a message to Lewis Martin at the end of the Olympics just saying that was unbelievable. I thought that broadcast was as, as good as I've seen of a major sporting event. Why, why didn't you send me a message? <laughs> because, <laughs> Hamish, uh, you've blocked my number. I tried and bounced back. <laughs> This, this news has that's blocked bullshit. you. You and I both know that's bullshit. So let's just, Danny, let's just let's unpack this. So okay. rather than text a mate, which I would call myself a blemos, he's decided to text the boss of Channel 7 who makes the hiring decisions for any future shows. Mm. Ah, you see, hey, you're learning the Lehman ways here. Hey, Hamish, you know as well as me, that's called smart. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in any way judging you negatively. I just just <laughs> saw your plan transparently unfolded on this podcast. So let's go back to the Olympics. I was terrified going in. Yeah. That it would be a disaster. To be honest, no crowds. Athletes in sterile environments. Uh, the world didn't want it. There'd be a COVID outbreak. It'd get shut down halfway through. I've never been more invested in Olympics ever. I, start, I fell yeah. in love with the Olympics in '84. I was in Year Four, did the Year Four project, and I've loved everyone since. I couldn't believe how emotional I got. I cried, I reckon, six times during the games at different events. I reckon it was the Olympics the world needed. It was the Olympics Australia needed. Australia completely invested and the athletes were unbelievable. The one moment that I loved the most was Richard Fox commentating Jess to gold with David Colbert. It's like, you know, I've got kids. You guys would understand how complicated that process would be. He did it just so unbelievably coolly. At the end of it, I reckon the eight best words of the Olympics – when he had spoken about his wife, who's her coach, his other daughter, who's the first reserve for the Australian canoe slalom team, Naomi, he said, there's Gnomes, there's Miriam. And then he looked at Jess as his proud father and said, she's such a beautiful paddler. She's such a beautiful person. <laughs> that's, that's where I lost. How do you control yourself after uh, that point? There's, uh, and the Olympics, Haim, just dishes up so many of those moments. And to think her mum competed for France, he competed yes. for the UK, yes. and then they had, <clears throat> they brought, they were coming to Australia, I think, what was it, for six months or something back in 1999? Just stayed put, yeah. And then just, and stayed and, and now and delivered us a little bit of gold. It was magnificent, but just so yeah, many. And I, those- you know, I think. I think you think about those the unexpected moments, whether it's Eric the Eel in Sydney or, mm. like, for me, Dean Boxall grabbing hold of the railing and almost snapping it in half, just yeah. showing how much is invested in these athletes by so many. Now, Dean Boxall has spent the best part of the last five years with Arnie every day mapping out a program to get it right for a 200 and a 400-metre swim. Yeah. And they nailed both. And they beat the best swimmer in the world getting there, and it's like, you know, you know when things go well or your kids do something well, you feel that emotion. They've done five years of this, and on the world stage, to see it all outpouring, it's like, this is what it's all about. And he just and he, you know, he, he just couldn't control it. It was real Laurie Lawrence stuff, wasn't it, from uh, 1988. Remember when Laurie Lawrence slapped quarters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quarters had to keep interviewing. And, and, Thorpey, who I thought was a standout of the games, Thorpey said on night one when we were previewing the swimmers, he said, and I said to Thorpey, and we're talking about Arnie, I said, and uh, in her coach is fabulous. And he said something along the lines of the modern day Laurie Lawrence. Yeah, right. Ooh. He really is. He's such a great character. Yeah. And just. Well, he, he was such a great celebration, but the true hero of that incident for me was the uh, the poor little Japanese steward who was trying to control him because he was going in the wrong the area, who just looked petrified, but she stood her ground. But, uh, well, she was sort of corralling. It was like trying to control Cyril Rioli when you run out. It's like, I've got no hope here, but I've got to pretend there's a chance I succeed. I know what Cyril's going to do in front of 100,000, but I've got to yeah. pretend... <laughs> and, you know, 
he he looked like a man unhinged, which he was mm. in that moment. I mean, he, he he was trying to root a fence. I mean, <laughs> yeah, part of his celebration. Something we've all done, just not with the cameras on and the world watching. I mean, who, who hasn't? Uh, but yeah. also, he was also what some, because there were a few critics, not many, but a few. What the critics didn't realise is he actually moved away like he did because he didn't want to be impolite to the American coach who he was standing next to. Yeah. So he was standing next to the American, to Ledecky's coach, and he didn't want to rub it in his face. So he moved away somewhere else to do his celebration. Well, there's always going to be, yeah, you know better than anyone else, Leon and Danny. The Twitter world is full of acidity and poison and et cetera, et cetera. But if you had a look at Dean Boxel and the Adelaide trials when they're all qualifying for the Olympics, he did yep. virtually exactly the same thing. It's not as if that was unusual. It wasn't as if he was showboating. He's just so emotionally invested. He cannot control himself, and I loved it. And we love it. We like a bit of colour and movement in sport, Haim. And you know who else I loved? So Thorpey was a revelation. Tamsin Lewis yep. was a bloody joy as well, I thought. Yeah, so passionate, so yeah. knowledgeable, so enthusiastic. Those those nights with, with Bruce, with Thorpey and with Tamsin were just such a treat from a broadcasting point of view. You've got hmm. the greatest swimmer we've ever had, the greatest broadcaster we've ever had, one of the best female runners we've ever had. Talk about the things that they love and know. You know, Thorpey was giving Australia a swimming lesson every night when he was talking about Kyle Chalmers taking on Caleb Dressel in that 100. And he said, I'll yeah. just pause the last 15 minutes for you. Rolled seven and a half metres. He said, what did you notice? I'm going, not much. He goes, well, neither have taken a breath. Now, watch the last seven and a half metres. Do it again. Roll the tape. He said, what did you notice? I said, Caleb didn't take a breath. Kyle did. He said, and there's your gold medal, 0. 0.06. Hey, right. Whoa. <laughs> wow. It's good gear <laughs> from Thorpey. And the other thing I thought Channel 7 nailed were the backstories on, yeah. you know, yeah. the athletes and having the yeah. cameras at the, you know, the cameras at the yacht club or there was a great moment one night where the cameras were at a yacht club where the two dudes in whatever the razor bloody class are sailing or whatever it's called, they won gold and the parents were at a yacht club somewhere, fancy. Then... Our boy in the 800 metres, our, our uh, brilliant 800 metre runner, what's his name again? Hey, I've forgotten his bloody name now. Peter Bolt. Peter Bolt. Peter Bolt. He was um, in the 800 metres and they crossed to his family who are all refugees who have come from a refugee camp in Egypt via Sudan. Just an unbelievable scenes to have that, those two interviews sitting side by side. I mean, it sort of sums up Australia, doesn't it, this multicultural society that we live in. I, my old man, we used to call Singlet when we were growing up because he was always on our backs, very tough, very hard, <laughs> not very emotional. He yeah. texted me, he said, I couldn't have been prouder of Peter Bowl running fourth in the Olympics if he, as if he had won. And you know, I think everyone was buying into these stories that we had told. It's like, this is, you've never heard of Peter Bowl, you've never heard of Rowan Browning. Let yeah. me tell you what's happened so you can get excited about what might happen. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really enjoyable. And the, you know what? The Paralympics were great as well. I'll tell you what, the Paralympics, so you, every single story, not one athlete has a backstory at the Paralympics that makes you go, oh, yeah, whatever. Like every <laughs> single Paralympic backstory is unbelievable. 
Have you? So Curtis, there's two Paralympians that I've done. Three have done a, a lot of stuff with just through different means. But Dylan Alcott, who I think we all love, Ellie Cole, who if you know her, you would love, and then Curtis McGrath. Have you heard the Curtis McGrath story, Lemo? Well, I did a lot of hosting at the Invictus Games with Curtis McGrath. Right. We'd just like to point that out to Channel 7. Lemo has hosted these things before. The, sorry, let me... No, he's already called Lewis Martin, so don't worry, that's all taken care of. <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. The award-winning Invictus Games coverage. Uh, yeah. And I... The, the the main hosts were Chris Bath, myself, and Dylan Alcott. But Curtis came in, and Damien Tomlinson, a former commando who's lost both his legs in battle as well. But that the aspect of the Curtis McGrath story that you're probably going to share, Haim, is what he said to the blokes putting him on the yeah. chopper in the battlefield. Well, so yeah, for those tuning in that don't know Curtis's story, so he was in Afghanistan and his role was to go ahead and sweep the area and make sure that when the other Australian troops came in, it was cleared of mines and other bits and pieces. He was about to clear the zone, stepped on a mine and blew both of his legs off. I mean, the whole thing was just beyond anything you've ever seen. And he was the medic within the group. He told the guys that after all the dust settled and he sort of got his consciousness back, he realised his legs were no longer on his body and he, yelled out, Lemo, Danny, you're there? Yep. You're going to have to come and sort me out. You're going to have to go into my backpack. I'll tell you what to do to save me. Meanwhile, dial in a chopper. So they start doing all of these things. They stop the bleeding. He's saying, put the needle here, go to the back right of my backpack. The chopper arrives. They have the stretcher coming towards him. And as they're putting him on him, he's saying, thank you and, you know, remaining somehow calm, and then he says to them, I'm going to have to become a Paralympian. I'm going to win a gold medal at Paralympian. <laughs> so this happens in 2012. In 2014, he becomes a world champion in the kayak. 2016, yeah. he wins gold, and then he goes and wins dual gold in Tokyo. <laughs> so he was, he was here, actually. So we live down on the peninsula. He was having a couple of months ago some time, his last downtime when we weren't in lockdown, and I've sort of become mates with him over the years. He said, are you around? I said, yeah, come and have breakfast. I said to my kids, you are not going to school until you've spent some time with Curtis McGrath. Whatever you learn at wow. school today <clears throat> will not be. Anyway, <laughs> they are now complete Curtis McGrath um, disciples, fans. He's their idol. And, you know, he's, he's just a wonderful human. There is there. And there's a lot to love about him. He is. You couldn't have a better role model. Uh, for your kids, no. and it's uh, and we're lucky, Hamish, that you know there are these people in our lives that we can introduce to our kids. And that yeah. day, I was walking around the G again with wife and son and dog, and it was early, so we were doing it before the footy, so we could get out of there before the crowds arrived. We're walking past the members' entrance, which wasn't open yet, and there I see Damien Tomlinson, a commando who like yeah. Curtis McGrath, had both legs blown off in the battlefield. And I and we'd become good mates, so we're, we're chatting. But I just wanted – but for my son, who was four at the time, it was great for him to go ask him about his robot legs, ask what happened. You know, my son was really fascinated. And Damo's, yeah. you know, he, he's more than happy to share the story. And, and, and for me, one of the other pieces of my life where the kids have learned an amazing amount is through the big freeze at the G. So 
Yeah. Pat Cunningham is a great mate of mine. His wife, Ange, died of MND, and I wrote a story with her as she was going through her last months. And so Pat and Neil formed the Big Freeze, and I've always been luckily able to help here and there. And so my kids have learnt about MND and hardship and resilience and all of these virtues that Neil teaches. And they, they, they look at Neil as they have no idea that he played or coached. They just see him as a man that shows us all how to live. I think yeah, 90% of Neil's legacy will exist off the field. Yeah, for I sure. Think, yeah. Can we not talk about Neil Danaher this week? I'm trying to make the Bulldogs the story. <laughs> so I'll just, tell you uh, what, here's a, here's a sad Melbourne story for you. I no, just, none yeah, of this. <laughs> you know, hey, I, what we love about sport, doesn't matter what sport it is, but we'll, it's a grand final this week, so we'll talk about that. There's always, you know, these magical stories, but there's always a sad story. And for me, it's Nathan Jones this week. The bloke who single-handedly has kept that bloody football club going for 10 years. Yep. Mm. And now he just has to. So my question to you, Haim, you've, you've interviewed a lot of footballers. You've got into their heads. What And we don't want to besmirch the good man because he is a great man, but he's human. What percentage of Nathan Jones would be secretly thinking, I wouldn't mind Melbourne losing today? And what percentage of him would genuinely, genuinely be overjoyed at a Melbourne win? Because there's got to be a part of him that would be annoyed if they win. Because he's human. Well, so he's human. The, 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 the vast majority is all chips on on the Melbourne win. The only thing I can think of that is able to answer this without painting Nathan in a bad light because there is no way he can given what he's done. But if they win, he will be unbelievably happy. But there will be a tinge of sadness. Why wasn't I in it? If they lose, mm. I think the pain will be less, but he wants the win. If that, I mean, of course he wants the win, but I, I know what you're saying. I'm just going to, I just, while you, while you brought up Nathan Jones, have a listen to this as a career. So, he started under Neil. Yep. Sorry to bring it up again, Danny, but you know. So he played 302 games in his life. Yeah. He went through the darkest of times and won those three best and fairest back to back to back to back to back. From his first year when he played eight, because he debuted late in the season, he played 21, 21, 20, 22, 22, 21, 22, 22, 22, 22, 16, 25 when we went to the prelim, 22. Two last year when they played seven in games, eight and eight this year. Talk about getting the timing wrong. Have a listen to the wins through his life. Three, five, three, four. They really got going. Eight, eight, back to four, two, four, seven, ten, nine, sixteen in the prelim final year. Five, five. This year he played eight games. One every one of them. He's, He's not going to play in the grand eight. final. So it's st- still his best season, just about. <laughs> Oh, so what, I mean, <clears throat> what, what you're saying, Hamish, is that the Melbourne Football Club in not playing Nathan Jones is just sh- really soulless and they don't deserve to win. Okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> and <laughs> It's going to be a tough one. There's always a story, but gee whiz, a guy that's done so much 300 gamer doesn't get there and watches. The only, the really? only positive is that he's just had healthy kids, two twins. He's well, as, twins 
Yeah, and we had a Melbourne fan on the podcast last week and we were talking about Nathan Jones and he just said, philosophically, he said, look, he's got a, you know, he's got a nice house and a good family. He'll be fine. <laughs> and, I'm sure, and I'm sure he will be fine. Will you have cameras at his house this weekend? Probably. Whenever, you know, probably. <laughs> probably. Did we have him in the birthing suite with the twins? <laughs> Hamish, I've been saying for years, because partners having babies in September has been an issue a few times over the last 20 years, mm. why can't we set up a mini birthing suite on or near the bench so the player can still play? Because Daisy Pierce needed that. Society, if, if she... We want everything. That is a great idea. And I don't think anyone... Now he's going to have any objection to that. The other thing that you could do, Lee Matthews was very pragmatic. He said, just don't have unprotected sex in December, January, or February. We'll be fine. Yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah. Three months. That's it's a, a I'm line. not saying don't make love to your intimate partner. Just be careful. Be careful. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's, there's other ways. There's other fun things you can do. There are, there are ways. There are ways around it. Now, Hamish, um, hmm. why? How did you end up being a Geelong fan? How did that happen? So you and I are both South Aussies. That yes, fair? that is correct. Not not far from each other. Actually, I'm I'm Riverland, yeah, straight up the border, and you're work on the farm. So, yeah, yeah. I, mum's from the farm in the Western District. So Dad's South Australian farm, and they met. Mum moved over there, but mum from the Dunkeld, so she was at the base of the Grampians. And as a result of being from there, Geelong was her team. And as a result of me being, you know, the private schoolboy mummy's boy, I barracked for the team that mum went for. (laughs) So I was gnawed in the NFL. So I was Tommy Warhurst and Craig Kelly and Michael Ash and Gary McIntosh and Keith Thomas. And, you know, but from, and we didn't see much VFL. You'd have one game a weekend, but because, yeah. I didn't really see it. And his mum said, oh, I'm cats. I said, well, so am I. Yeah, so that's how it ended up. Who's your SANFL team, <laughs> Hamish? Nord. So re- the Redlegs, ah, right. Nord, Redleg. So I, I, was, I was up in the hills and then we went, went down to um, boarding school and the closest ground happened to be the parade, which was great. And uh, Nord was around the corner and... Back then, to get a ticket to the grand final, a sellouts are unbelievable games. Oh, yeah. And it was everything. And then in 91, the um, Crows came in, things sort of changed a bit. The mm. first game of footy, professional game of footy I ever went to was the 83 grand final at Footy Park, where West Adelaide, uh, beat, West Adelaide beat Sturt. Sturt. Gil was a Sturt man. He was a Rick Davies. Um, the Jumbo Prince. Remember the Jumbo yeah, yeah, exactly. He yeah. was a superstar. So then, how did Gil land on St Kilda as he's? Because a lot well, of people don't know that that Gillen has a team. I don't know if you're supposed to oh. when you're the big boss, but he's. A, I think it's great. He's very open about it. If you ask, he says, "I'll give him the best draw I can give him every year. I'm going to move him <laughs> back to Moorabbin because he's not very happy at Seaford. Any time I get an opportunity to sort of wangle a draft, I'll sort that out. If there's, you know." <laughs> There's an opportunity to stop a clock and get a timekeeper to sort of make things more straightforward in the tight game. So does that explain the 2009 prelim, Hamish? Those, there were some very fortunate decisions <laughs> in that game. If you go back and have a look where Gillen was that night, yep. 
And who he was talking umpiring? to at the time? No, oh, was umpiring. Have a look at the umpires going, yes, John. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so I knew so that. Just to answer your question on, on the Saints. So he played you know, 200 and something games for the Uni Blues and he used to play against OMs and Andrew Thompson and he used to spend a lot of time playing against each other and they end up becoming great mates. And Gillen and I and Andrew Thompson, when we finished uni, Gillen did a five-year degree, I did three. We went, travelled around in a gap year and then we moved to um, into a house together in Richmond with Andrew Thompson. And But by that stage, Gillen, like, there's no way I can, you can have, cause he, I think he got overlooked in the draft mini, like they call him mini because it's so small, uh, five or six times. So when he finally got picked up by the Saints, Gil said, brother, I'm the same. I'm coming with it. And we were, he always just barracked for the Saints. And I think because of, you know, with everything, you at the Hawks and Danny, you were the dog, you meet so many great people. When Andrew was at the Saints, you meet people like Gadinsky and yeah, there's no way I'm leaving the Saints now. Gadinsky's sort of Molly, Molly Meldrum. part Saint, part, part sort of destroyer of his health. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a lot of lot of great St Kilda fans, and I know. Um, oh, his name escapes me now. Uh, who's the lead singer of the Cruel Sea? Um, oh, great Australian. Uh, Let me go. Artist who's who's said to me that he kind of likes the St Kilda story. He likes Tex Perkins. Tex Perkins said he kind of likes St Kilda being the – he likes the underdog story of St Kilda. He thinks not having a premiership. Is Tex the Saint? Tex the Saint, yeah. He said he, li- he likes the underdog story. The, I guess I guess you've got to tell yourself something to make yourself feel better about the fact <laughs> since 1966. But he said it just – it suits the character of the football club. Uh yeah, anyway. I can just say, as a, as an experience of the the underdog and the plucky, likable side, it is it is a nice feeling. Do you know what's nicer? Winning a grand final. Winning a grand final. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, I was watching I was watching a podcast with um, not a podcast. It was just uh, comedians and cars getting coffee. And I was watching uh, oh, yeah. Armour and Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah I've seen that. It's a great one. Uh, talking about you know fame and celebrity and wealth and and. I think Obama said to Jerry, you know, do, do, you ha- do you like being famous? Do you like being known? Do you like, he goes, to be honest, Mr. President, I've experienced both. And um, he looked around. At the time he asked him, he was in the White House doing it. He goes, I sort of like this better. <laughs> it's like the dog. I've experienced not winning and I've experienced <laughs> winning. I sort of better. Hey, <laughs> it's, uh, he makes a very good point. Um, Woody Allen was asked that once. He said, the, the interviewer said, this is sort of more early days, Woody Allen. He said, what's it like to be famous? And Woody, Woody Allen said, I'm not famous, just a lot of people think I am, which is a, <laughs> a great Woody Allen response. Um, now, we've, we've got five minutes left on this before it expires on me, and I have to go to my other job, behaviors. I'm very busy. Oh, mm. Sorry to interrupt your day. <laughs> well and truly in demand. Now we know you're leaning towards uh, the D's this weekend. Is your is your head there as well? We know your heart's there. Is your head on the D's too? Well, I call I called both the prelims, and I said on the Friday night, whatever happens on Saturday night, Melbourne 
are starting favourites just because the way they just were so yep. ballistic against the Cats. And then I was thinking Port were going to beat the Dogs and Melbourne would start favourite against Port. But, you know, yeah, yes, you have a look at the year. They won one each, neutral ground. I don't know. I just, I just feel there's a sense of timing around Melbourne. But you can also get too close to the flame because I'm I, – I, I've been – because I've known Goody for a long time. I sort of know the story well. I love Bevo. I love the Bont. I just feel like it might be Melbourne's year. But I, I will be very pleased with whoever wins. Are you commentating? No, I'm going because I'm in Melbourne. I did the Brownlow last night. Obviously, had to stay, and then BT and JB have quarantined. Daisy's going over. Hodgie's going over. Uh, who else is going over? Wayne Carey's there. Andy Holmes is there. Surely, you 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 know, commentating the the big one is is you know what what you aim for is that who who makes that decision. Louis, uh, Limo's mate, Louis. Limo's probably calling it next year. I was offered the grand final <laughs> this year, but uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> After the Olympics, Louis said, it was, hey, Limo, thank you. Do you want to commentate anything? Everything? Was, was, Is that where you're going now? That's why you've only got three more minutes. You've got to go and meet Lewis <laughs> about the grand final. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just having coffee with Lewis. Um Hey, Danny, do you know what number what, 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 what number do you wear for the uni blacks or whoever you played for in Adelaide, Lima? And, uh, well, I, I, wore, I wore number six. Uh, Bob Neal, our club legend, wore 130. This is, this is the story. Bob <laughs> Neal. But the numbers, Bob Neal gets num- a big run on this podcast. <laughs> but the numbers did go up to 400. I went and watched yeah, uni play. What number are you? Has yeah. anyone got 398? Kenny's come back. Coming, Kenny. <laughs> Imagine the property steward. Just hang on. Just hang on. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna Is that the team bus? No, it's just the it's just the kit guy. <laughs> just yeah, carrying yeah. the numbers. Hey, go, go to the second van. The first van is zero to ninety nine. Second van one hundred to one hundred ninety nine. <laughs> it's actually the Dewey Decimal System on the players. Yeah, yeah. I should. It deserves a book, actually. I should put some effort into properly documenting the, the joys of the Adelaide Uni Footy Club. Um, Don't put too much effort into anything, Lima. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned in life, Hamish, it's don't try too yeah. hard at anything. <laughs> it, just, well, it just sucks the joy out of it. <laughs> I, I was running a theory by my wife the other day that I was going to perhaps pass on to my um, son, when he's, you know, going through the courting process. And I said to so do you think, you know, I took you, I was so keen on you that I took you to the best restaurant first and went to the, you know, had a weekend away to the bet. But if we'd gone to Nando's first and then we'd gone camping first, everything was sort of up. But I went the wrong yes. way. I started here. Yes. Everything since. It's like yeah. if you put too much effort into anything and fail, yeah. then you don't do anything and it goes okay. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, Hamish, when we first, when we start dating, we deliver the... You and I or... Anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you and I dating each other. I thought that you were saying what's going to happen going forward is you and I are going to start dating. Hamish, when you and I start dating... (laughs) The original odd couple of uni blue versus uni black. Will they ever? Snuckers, lovers. 
When did Hamish yeah. and Lemo first reveal their relationship? Well, it was on a podcast, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. We start with a movie version of ourselves and our relationship. Yes. Yeah. And then it just descends into reality over about a 10-year period. Yeah. And then what I'm experiencing now is after 10 years, it sinks to a version <laughs> below really where it should be. So you, we, you know Lemo, my wife. I think you, you you've met it. Yes, a few things. I knew, I, I I thought I was going to marry So from the moment I met her. So we went on our first date, and it was a novel approach. But I said, So, here are the ten things you will hate about me. Here are the ten. <laughs> Very rarely tell people, and if we can get through this. So I told her everything in my life that I was ashamed of, embarrassed about in the first 11 minutes. And she said, this is an extraordinary start for the first day. I said, is there anything in there that worries you? She said, a couple, but I think we'll be able to work on them. Anyway, 12 years later, we are. Oh, uh, well, there you go. I'll tell you what, it's a novel approach to the first date, I've got to say, Haim, but a wonderful bit of advice for anyone out there who's... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in yeah. the date yeah. on the dating scene. trying to get to a second date I, i'm saying don't definitely go with it depending <laughs> on what the secrets are but that's, that's you know, sa- it's sam- a yeah sample one bad habit on date one yeah. to reveal a second bad habit at date just two open with the crippling gambling debts just now, open with a, it yeah yeah we we've got about 30 seconds left so we better wrap this up before this thing expires on us uh hamish really appreciate your time uh thank you and uh, we'll let you uh, get to get back to um, whatever it is you're up to today. You're a busy man. We know. Why you don't have anything? It's you that's got to go. So thank you for having me, <laughs> Danny. Good luck to your dogs. I hope your week ends uh, with a smile. Thanks, Hammer. Thank you, Lemo. Go dogs! All right. Thank you, Hamish. Appreciate it. Thank you, Danny.